Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast number six. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. Each week we watch a movie and sit down here to chat about it. This week we watched Much Ado About Nothing, directed by Joss Whedon, starring Amy Acker and Alexis Denisoff, which came out... It hasn't come out yet. Um, we saw a preview screening of it. It comes out in the middle of July in Australia and I think next week in the US. I, I think that's correct. Um, we are going to be discussing spoilers for the movie, but it is also based on a Shakespeare play. So if you haven't seen it or heard about it, then maybe read through the plot before you go see the movie. It'll help. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're just going to go through a brief rundown of the plot. Um, it's the story of wealthy Leonardo and his daughter, Hero, and niece Beatrice. They're visited by an old friend and war hero, Don Pedro, who brings his soldiers and cohorts Benedict, an old acquaintance of Beatrice's with whom he exchanges some wonderfully biting flirtations, and the romantic Claudio. He also has his criminal brother, Don John, and his brother's henchmen along with him, and Don John tries his best to throw a spanner in the works as Claudio and Hero fall in love, while the good guys try to hook up Benedict and Beatrice. There's also... Oh, sorry. No, no, continue. Sorry. There's also another movie of the same name directed by Kenneth Branagh from 1993, um, a little bit more traditional, not in modern dress, but um, it's also a good movie. And now this film is quite a special one. It's a bit of a Joss Whedon pet project. It was shot in 12 days at his home with his friends mm. and pretty much his, his kind of friendly crew. It's produced by him and his wife and it was kind of a little, little side project between principal photography and post-production on The Avengers. Um, it's interesting. Joss has actually said um, being a workaholic, he was supposed to go on holiday with his wife and she said, no, no, you need to relax. You should do another movie. Yeah, it's pretty adorable. Um, so I'm coming to this movie as a really huge Joss Whedon fan. We're both Joss Whedon fans. Um, mm. what, one of us less uh, into it than the other. Uh, less avid fan. Less avid, perhaps. Um, yeah. I have seen everything on his IMDb page, including hunting down an, a few old episodes of Roseanne that he wrote um, just to see him writing and also to see him writing for um, um, an actor who was going to later be on Angel. But, um, yeah, I, I <laughs> wow. really – yeah, I really sort of um I've seen every single thing. Um I love everything that he's done. Um yeah. Doctor Horrible Cabin in the Woods, all the TV shows, Toy Story, um Titan A, everything. So I'm a big Joss Whedon fan. I am not coming to this um unbiased. I am also a big Joss Whedon fan. I haven't quite tracked down any random episodes of Roseanne, but I've certainly seen Buffy, Angel, Dollhouse, Firefly, Avengers. Toy Story and, and all the rest of it. And I, I've certainly got a lot of admiration for the man. Um, so I'm, I'm coming at it as a Joss Whedon fan and also as a bit of a Shakespeare fan. Um, I've never been really one for the Shakespeare romantic comedies. Not, not so into the whole, oh, everybody gets, has a big wedding at the end thing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a cynic at heart. <laughs> I think that's kind of true. So I've been more, always been more of a tragedies and a histories girl when it comes to Shakespeare, but I do very much like Shakespeare and I like Joss Whedon. So that's where I was coming from. Um, I like Shakespeare too. I like the tragedies and I like the comedies. I think, um, there are some, there are some comedies that I like more than others. Um, to be fair, much ado about nothing. I don't really know apart from the other movie. I've seen the 1993 Kenneth Branagh movie, which is a good movie. Mm. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Um, but 
I sort of haven't heard as much about it outside of that, I think. Yeah. Um, there I- are others that I've heard a lot more about, but I do, I do love Shakespeare. Um, and I like the romantic comedies. Okay. I mean, the people that Shakespeare was writing for knew what they were getting going into a movie. They knew what was going to happen. They knew the ending that they were expecting. And so, um, he was writing for the, popular audience, I guess. He was the popular writer of his day. So to change the the story too much, I think, would have um, probably ruined his career. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I, I mean, yeah, no, no. I, I completely understand all that. I, 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 I came to this movie not knowing anything about um, Much Ado either, so I pro- that was probably a mistake. Um, as Katie mentioned in the plot summary, it's probably a good idea to at least read over the wiki before you go into this because it is quite – it's it's quite confronting as a modern audience. You've got to get used to the language and get into the plot a bit. I mean, I didn't. I still knew what was going on and I was able to follow it. But I think it probably would have helped if I knew a little bit about it before it. I think also one thing that would help is if you actually check the IMDb page and find out who everybody is playing and what their character names are. Yes. Because the character names come fast and once and then they talk about the same character through the movie. So, yeah, if you sort of read up a little bit on who's playing whom, it might help you out a little bit. And I think that would have actually helped just, um, just a bit. For a quick rundown on our podcast, um, you've got Alexis Denisoff from Angel and Buffy, who plays Benedict. Um, he's sort of the main lead character, the romantic lead. Um, and then you've got Amy Acker from Angel and Dollhouse playing, and Cabin in the Woods playing Beatrice, who's the main female romantic lead. Mm-hmm. There's actually a younger couple who are sort of the real um, more traditional romantic couple, I guess. Hero not, and, and Claudio. Hero and Claudio. Um, not quite as – there's something really modern about Benedict and Beatrice, I guess. They have that whole sparring lovers thing where they're constantly fighting yeah. and, and they sort of have that – You get the idea that they're equals as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. They're at least intellectual equals and sort of even maybe so and social equals as well. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Whereas the younger couple, Hero and Claudio – now, Claudio is played by Fran Krantz from Dollhouse, again, of course – all of these actors will be familiar to you if you've watched a lot of Joss Whedon. If you haven't, they actually might not be. But Frank Krantz is, is a wonderful actor and it's good to see to see him in anything. So he's um he's Claudio. And what's the name of the actress he plays here? Julian Morghese. Morghese. Julian Morghese. So she is not a very well-known actress at all. She was an extra in The Avengers and mm. I think is just a friend of the group. Um, yeah, well, he, he shot it coming straight out of the Avengers. So there's quite a few people in it who are the, mm-hmm. in the Avengers. Um, Clark Gregg, who plays Hero's father, Leonardo, um, is best known for his role as Agent Phil Coulson in the Avengers and the other Marvel movies. And he will be in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is Josh's TV show coming out in September. And I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ashley Johnson, who plays the maid Margaret, was in the Avengers as the waitress. She was also in Dollhouse. And, um, there's an actress called Romy Rosemont who you probably won't recognize if you haven't seen Glee. She plays one of the characters' mothers in Glee, but she's in about three seconds of The oh, Avengers. and she's in um, – and she plays the – The scribe. The scribe, yeah, yes. Exactly. To Nathan Fillion, who is playing the constable, and Tom Link, who's a Buffy alum, is his offsider. Nathan Fillion and Tom Link are the comic relief, and gosh, they're good. They're so good. Nathan Fillion plays Dogberry, who you might have heard of outside of the play, because I think he's one of the more famous roles yeah. in the play. Um, he is famous for his um, mis- misusing words, so malaprops. M- malapropisms, yes. Yeah, malapropism, sorry. Um, yeah, he he's famous for, for misusing words, um, and he has a couple of really, really terrific ones where he accuses the villain of piety and and um, he goes around telling everybody how he's an ass. Um, but 
it's it's very uh, an ass, but he's very very funny. And even just like Nathan Fillion just walking into a room in this movie mm. is funny. Like he has this presence that is just so great, and he can use it for either you know drama or in this one comedy um, to such great effect. And Tom Link is like this little fly next to him, buzzing around him. Um, Tom Link has got like the sort of American cop moustache, and they've got their American cop sunglasses working, and they're they're sort of these low rent security guard type guys who want to be like detectives and the way they um americanized those roles i think was perfect especially for the current like tv Mm -hmm. craze of of cops cops yeah there's certainly some little cute little references in there so other actors you'll know from the whedon verse as it were uh sean ma from firefly who's our our key villain um and he's wonderful what's his name don pedro Don John. Don, Don jo- Pedro is a good see, guy. You see what I mean about the names? He's he's Don John, who is the villain of the piece. Yeah. Don, Pe- Don, Don John Pedro is Don is Pedro's brother. bastard brother. So Don right. John is the bastard brother. Don Pedro, played by Reed Diamond from Dollhouse. Um, he he um, is the better, nicer one of the pair. And I think he also does a really good job in this. I quite enjoyed him mm. in this. Um, Sean Ma is just eating up the scenery in joyfully he is just yeah. wonderful in he has this. a great time in that role it's so nice seeing him again yeah absolutely he's um quite a neglected actor he's he's wonderfully talented and obviously firefly fans know him well but he really doesn't hasn't uh, done a lot of work in in recent years so it's good to see him as well yeah no i think the last thing i saw him on was warehouse 13 he yeah, teamed up with jewel state, state also from firefly mm-hmm. and that was the last thing i saw him in which is a bit of a shame because i really really enjoy him and simon was well he's one of my favorites yes, indeed. Um, but it was lovely to see him again mm-hmm. um have we covered off everybody i, I think we've, we've- we might have hit everybody's all, all of Joss's friends. I think we've hit most of them. Uh, if I there think, are any others I think that I can we have. think of, I'll bring them up yeah, as we well, speak. But uh, I think that's everybody. Indeed, absolutely. Now, one of the things that I found about this film is it was shot at Joss's house in Twelve Days on Black and White, and I, I think I was a little bit distracted by the whole thing because I, I knew it was Joss's house. So there was part of me that was taken out of the action because I was like oh, God, don't break the lamp in his daughter's bedroom. Or like, oh, wow, I love that kitchen. Oh, my God, that's Joss Whedon's real kitchen. So there was a little bit of that for me. I got taken out of it a little bit because he has this kind of amazing house. Yeah, it – I didn't, I, that obviously wouldn't be a problem for, I guess, people who, who didn't have, know that. Who didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but also, I think, I mean, it wasn't so much an issue for me. Every so often I would sort of go, wow, his house is pretty and I really want to live in his house. Mm. But – and and the the little girls' room yeah. part because well, they had this little fake fight and I was like, oh no, it's his daughter's stuff. Don't break Joss's daughter's stuff. But yeah. um, but other than that, I think no, it no, didn't really it distract didn't. me all that much. Um, it is shot on digital and then in, in black and white, mm. which um it. It, I mean, they were shooting with uh, a crew they already had. Um, it sort of adds to that whole you know indie vibe of like this is genuinely just um joss throwing together a movie with his friends right which is wonderful and i love the whole feel of it but the aesthetic of it even though there are some beautiful shots it's it's a little bit really, flat a little bit yeah. gray really low uh, yeah shot on digital and and also in black and white and i think i i think i worked out what's wrong is that our modern crews don't really know how to light for black and white um mm. black and white when lit properly can do amazing things, but in in this sense, it was shot quite quickly on digital, and mm. maybe that wasn't the right choice. But then I'm not, I can't imagine it being any other way. So I know, and and th- that's not to say the shots weren't beautiful because yeah. they were. Um, it's it's his house, so he's actually able to uh, 
he, he knows all the angles. He knows where to put the camera to make things look interesting. So he actually does some kind of interesting stuff with the camera. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of scenes shot from above, like sometimes from other people's point of view. Um, there's a few other things, like he really knows how to use the location. There's this gorgeous um, funeral procession that comes down a hill that just looks amazing. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful key shot that they use in one of the posters of um, Fran Kranz in the pool with a snorkel mask on and a cocktail in his hand that is one of my favourite shots in the movie. And is also there's a very odd little bit after that that's quite entertaining. Um also, um, yeah, everybody is shot really nicely. Everybody looks amazing in this movie. Yeah. The costumes are really beautiful and very, um, it's all very evocative of a time. Like it, 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 um, a few people have mentioned sort of a noir vibe, but I sort of felt like it was more like kind of the early talkies, like fast talking. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing that a lot, uh, quite a few, I've seen quite a few reviewers talk about is the screwball element. Yeah. So he takes this, um, Beatrice and Benedict are, They've got a lot of back and forth dialogue between them, and he really takes that and plays it up, and works on it in a sort of his girl Friday back and forth idea, mm. which is really nicely done. And you know, I yeah, I quite like that too. Yeah, um, the the snappy dialogue they do such a good job with too. Oh, like yeah. it's just so that everybody seems to sort of grasp the concept of their characters. Like they just like they're so quick and they so know what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the things I really liked about it. Um, Joss actually did like just Shakespeare readings with his friends. It's something that they do for fun. Yeah. Um, and so he's clearly done this with everybody, with all of them before, and so he knew who he wanted to cast in the roles and everything. Um, and the casting is so great. Um, the, I'm not Wesley's biggest fan, Alexis Denisov's role on Angel. He's not my favourite. Um, he is a fan favourite, but he's not this fan's favourite, I suppose. Mm. I, um, I quite like him because I like the British accent. He's <laughs> one of these rare American actors who sounds better British than he does American. It might just be that I heard him British first and I, every time I hear him do American, I'm like, is that really you? Are you doing that real? Is that your real <laughs> accent? And it is. Yeah. It is. He does. He He has a great British accent yeah. as Wesley. And and I think he plays Wesley well. It's just Wesley's not really my favourite. No. But um I really warmed to him in this actually. I thought he was so funny. And he's playing kind of a difficult role. Like Benedict isn't a particularly nice guy. He is kind of a jerk. He's a bit misogynistic. He is like he's so some of the things he says about Beatrice are really cruel. Mm. Um but then, you know, a lot of the things she says about him are just as cruel. Yeah. Um the, the, but- our two leads are kind of if you've ever seen a modern romantic comedy, it's like we try and copy this pattern now, yeah. set down in, in plays like this where you've got these two antagonistic leads and the, the man's a little bit of a misogynist and she's just a little bit too proud. And yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like you see this, you see Shakespeare writing the, the script on how you do romantic comedy. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, but Alexis Denisov, he has such good, funny moments in this movie. He mm. is so, um, his comic timing in this is perfect. He is so funny. And like, especially there's a lot of these little physical comedy touches, um, throughout yeah. the movie that are really, really clever because they kind of illustrate for the people watching what the Shakespearean language means. Cause there might be a lot of people who maybe aren't that, um, Aren't that up on their Shakespearean mm. dialogue? I, I, you know, for, I'll be the first one to admit I had I was not very up on my Shakespearean dialogue, so I definitely appreciated. Um, and, and of course Denisov and um, and Amy Acker and Nathan Fillion are probably the standouts in terms mm. of physical comedy, and they're um, they just do such a such a good job of that. But yeah, and you do you need to do a bit of that 
you would have had to do that in the original Shakespeare because yeah. you were, of course, performing for an illiterate or largely illiterate audience. And it's a bit like that here. You you really are thrown into this language. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm a reasonable Shakespeare fan, but it has been a few years since I've had to really listen to the dialogue. So mm. it did it did take me a bit of time to get back into it. And sometimes things just skipped by me because I just, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't notice it or the audience were laughing or something like that. Yeah, that was the only one of the only things that upset me was that, like, I couldn't actually hear Dogberry's malapropisms because everybody was laughing so hard at Nathan being funny. Like, yeah. they have these really, really funny um, physical comedy bits, especially in his scenes, with and Tom Lank does as well. And so everybody was laughing so hard that I couldn't hear what they were saying. Um Mm. Now, we did see this in an audience that was probably full of Joss Whedon fans or at least, you know, Shakespeare fans or something because we saw yeah. it in a preview screening and it was a pretty full cinema. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, we, we took along a relatively large group of people ourselves mm. and we were in, we were in a, uh, a preview screening, as we said. It doesn't come out for another almost another month in, in Australia. And I guess this is kind of where we get to pretend like we're real film critics who saw the movie early. So, we went, we went along early to a preview screening. Anyway, the audience did seem to love it. They certainly laughed a lot at um, Nathan Fillion and, and Tom Lank and their antics and the comic relief, the bits they were supposed to laugh at. Yeah. So th- that was really good to to kind of enjoy it with an audience. And yeah. I think so, I was a little bit surprised at how much the audience enjoyed it because, I, I mean, I, 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 I didn't dislike the film. I quite enjoy the film. But, like, for instance, I sat next to my husband who is not a Shakespeare fan. We, we He and I met doing a Shakespeare play, but he is not a Shakespeare fan by <laughs> – by any stretch of the imagination, but he ended up loving this movie just because it dialogue was snappy, it kept him amused, it kept him in the, you know, kind of kept him engaged. And I think the rest of the audience certainly seemed that way. It probably was a bit of a captive audience, as you say, a, mm. a lot of Whedon fans. I know one of our listeners, Shelby, was in the audience who is not a Whedon fan. She's a Shakespeare fan and, well, she didn't like it, but we don't want, we don't care about that. So we <laughs> liked it and most of the people we sat with liked it. So that was a good good response, I think. Yeah, and um, it was interesting um to hear i think there's it takes you a couple of minutes to get into the groove of the dialogue like um and a couple of my friends i think yeah a couple of my friends were saying um that they weren't at at first they were sort of confused there's a quite a long amy acker um diatribe that she does near the beginning where um and and you sort of start to catch on to a few of the words oh i know what this means i know what that means and then eventually you just sort of then it just clicks and then for the rest of the movie i had no problem with it Mm. um i if I didn't understand something, I think I understood most of it, but if I didn't understand something, there was context yeah. and things like that, you, you, so it didn't matter. Oh, it was well done. I mean, as with any Shakespeare, um, I think the key to, to enjoying Shakespeare is to see it performed well, and it was certainly performed well, and you definitely got what the story was about, even if you were like me and you didn't even bother to read the wiki before you turned up. Because <laughs> even at the very first scene is uh, Clark Gregg and his friend and so, some people are coming no, from out of isn't. Isn't it? No, the very first scene is uh, one of the only deviations from the text, which is a flashback scene. Oh, flashback to Benedict uh, and Beatrice having yeah. sex. Yeah, that's true. To a one-night stand of Benedict Benedic and Beatrice's. Absolutely. Um, making up one of right. their squished up couple names on the air. Um, Benetrice? Benetrice, I guess it would be. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be funny. Yeah, but then you kind of – the first dialogue scene, though, is Clark Gregg looking yeah. at his iPhone, like, oh, so-and-so's on his way, and you're like – it takes you a minute because you've only ever seen him as Agent Coulson and you're like, Agent? What's going on here? But oh, yeah. it, it, it all works out and you, and you sort of figure it out. And, and it takes a couple of um, long back and forths between Benedict and Beatrice and you kind mm. of you know, you get used to the idea and you get used to everyone's 
patterns. And again, you you are helped out a bit by the physical comedy. <laughs> there is one scene in particular of Alexis Denisov's um, where he is um, seen through a window. Um, they're talking, they're trying to set him up with Beatrice. And so they're talking about how much Beatrice is in love with her so that he will overhear. But they're trying to make it seem like they don't want him to overhear. And so he's in the background pretending, like trying to hide from them. And um, he's just doing these rolls and popping up in the windows. And it is so funny. It is so funny. That whole audience was just like rolling in the aisles laughing. Oh, my it was God. so he funny. He does such um, a good job there. He is so good in that bit. And and there's this moment where he holds a branch up, like a tree branch up in front of yes. his face to hide behind. And I thought that was like this adorable little Shakespeare throwback where it's like, because, you know, on the stage they had the props and they had the little, they would have had their trees and they would have been oh, moving the trees right, right, around right. to hide behind. Yeah, it's like when you see like a, a, a elementary school level production of yeah. something and then there's someone walking a tree under the stage and walking it off again. Oh, that's very cute. I didn't actually think about that, that when we were watching it, but of course that makes perfect sense. And, and of course, I've, one of these things I always have trouble with remembering is that because I, I always suspend my disbelief is that everything, nothing on screen is accidental. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it, yeah. I just thought that was really funny. That and was cute. Su- just such um, a well done scene. And then just right after it, they have an Amy Acker one, which Indeed. is sort of the same idea. And she does a bit of the, the, um, slapstick comedy herself. And it's, she is, beautiful in this movie and she really um i think alexis is very very funny but he has a little bit more of that kind of hammy um um and physical kind of stuff whereas amy with the words is just magic she also has a very dramatic scene where she's amazing um and she had like it's just sort of this kick in the gut this dramatic scene because it is so different from a lot of the stuff that came before and she's just great she is but i actually want to talk about that dramatic scene the central turn of the plot um, there's a, of course, the whole thing uh, centers around a wedding, and of course, no wedding can go off without a hitch in, in a romantic comedy. That's the rules, but it centers around the younger woman hero uh, being rejected by her potential husband and also her own father because apparently she is going into her marriage impure, yeah, non-virginal. And uh, to a modern audience, that's a bit. I don't think that's overdone. What, I don't think that's what they were going for with this one. Um, I think they were definitely implying that she was cheating. Um, it right. wasn't so much that she was not a virgin as that she was cheating. Um, the words are still the same. The words are still, you know, impure, all that impure, sort of thing. Yeah. But, but definitely the setup is, um, her maid Margaret is used by the bad guys, seduced by the very pretty offsider of Don John, um, yeah. and, um, brought up to Hero's room and they have sex in the window. Right. Like behind and a cur- behind a one of those sheer curtains. So you couldn't see exactly who it was, but it's it's Hero's right. room and they set up so Claudio would see it happening. Yeah. And so I think the the implication there is more that she cheated on him. Okay. She said she was gonna marry him there in love and she went and cheated on him, I mm. think is more what they were going right. for. But then he pulls her up in front of everybody she knows and just basically slut shames her in yeah. front of everyone. Well, it is- Awful. It is horrible. And he does it in, in this awful way as well. He lets her walk down the aisle yeah. and get into a dress. No, you know, none of this, like, maybe going and seeing her in the morning and saying, um, you know, bitch, please, this wedding is off. He's, he waits until she has walked down the aisle, until she has said, I do. And he says, I don't, basically. Yeah. Because he, so- he thought he somebody told him that this thing <laughs> happened. And, and, and then- the funny thing is, 
It's it's Don John that tells him who they brought here as a criminal. You're just sort of sitting there like, why would you believe? Why would you believe him? that guy? He's pretty, but he's clearly evil. Right. They must have he must have like hypnotized them with his good looks or something. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that he just they just looked into his eyes um, and saw his hair. And then, but then her father goes ape shit. Yeah. Over this whole thing, like. Oh my goodness! He must just—he disowns her practically, and it's really weird because he—he he basically says you should have died, which you is should awful. have died instead of become be you know try and get married when you're impure, and it's all kind of odd because until this point he's been this fairly benevolent mm. a patriarch. Yeah, and the thing is, it it all sort of makes sense in Shakespeare's time. And this mm. is one of the kind of problems of with the movie is with the modern adaptation of it is that because it's not so much like an adaptation like in the terms of they don't change the script um yeah. the script is just pretty much there intact um it means that you've got these kind of weird overwrought scenes where you're just like but that makes no sense and then also something else um she faints and everybody thinks she died which is another classic <laughs> shakespearean plot device yeah. and the, there's a priest involved it's very romeo and juliet actually the priest is like let's just pretend that she's dead i'm like have you guys not seen romeo and juliet did you not see how that worked out for That's them the in shakespeare you never trust the priest never but basically priest. whether or not everybody is going to be okay and live and you know whether or not it's going to happy have a happy ending is based on entirely on whether it's a comedy or a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. And I'd forgotten because I didn't know this play. There was times when I was actually, I actually got a bit scared. Like this, someone went to get a knife or a gun or pulled a gun or something. And I was like, Oh no, Benedict might get shot. And I'm like, I, I had to kind of snap myself out of it. I'm like, Melissa, please, this is going, this is going to be fine. <laughs> but I, I, I did forget for a bit. And then, and, and yeah, no, it's, it's not like a, well, I, I guess it's Shakespeare. He, as we said before, he's writing for a popular audience. So yeah. these plot devices of you know a priest who says let's let's just pretend he's dead and trick him into falling in love with her again or some mm. some stupid stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I, don't know. I was just thinking about like I don't like Claudio. He does terrible things in this, and he basically just goes into this house and he's like, "I'm awesome, so Hero should love me," and and all this mm. sort of thing and. But Frank Rand is so lovely and sweet, and he just throws himself into this like romantic headspace in this yeah. movie, and it made it harder for me to dislike Claudio, yeah. who if I th- don't if like. You think about it too hard. He like, if you think about it, he's yeah, not a very nice guy, and he's not very nice to her, and he and she's such a pushover. Yeah, and he doesn't deal with his problems very well. But he's so charming and lovely <laughs> that you see why she falls in love with him. And you, but then, well, I guess what the bit you don't quite, I guess, well. He has a, he has this enough guilelessness in him that you kind of see how he would fall for these master mm. criminals. Like he, he would be like criminals master criminal master criminal plot. It's <laughs> like um, the other great thing yeah. is that one of his offsiders, um, Conrad, is actually a gender swap in this, um, played mm. by Ricky Lindholm, who was in one episode of Buffy, but is now better known as a comedian in her own right. Yeah, well, I, um, and also the um, lady from Glee. She's a she's another mi- very minor gender swap role. That role. Oh. I didn't describe. Re- of course she would be. I didn't yeah. really think of that. Um, yeah, They're very, but, very minor gender swap roles, which is, um, you know, Yeah, but it, it lends an interesting element because it's clear that Don John and Conrad are sort of in a relationship in this yeah. one, which is kind of cool. Like, it makes it kind of an interesting... Um, it's a very different dynamic. Yeah, a different dynamic. Yeah. And she's cool in this. I liked her in this, actually. I mean, she's mm. bad, but, you know, a cool kind of bad. And um, she's great. And she sort of um, is a good... Um, 
a good foil foil i guess for nathan fillion later on oh yeah she's great i was trying to remember what i knew her from it took me forever but Pushing daisy she's the dandelion girl dandelion girl so i didn't i hadn't seen that but i looked her up afterwards and she was on an episode of big bang theory and yeah. clearly i remember from that she was she was nowitzki from the cooper nowitzki theorem episode yeah she's, she's been in quite a few crazy she's stalker great. of sheldon so that's where i knew her from. i was like it, it was one of those things that bugged me through the whole movie like i know this girl yeah yeah anyway watch um, out she's great yeah, so um, um, I really I th- feel like to me it feels like all the actors kind of just got what they were doing. Like they they'd done these roles before, and they just they had these little moments of like little things, like just glances between mm. them, and and um, little moments of touching. Or there's a little cute fight thing that happens between Benedict and Beatrice where they're trying to stop each other from getting letters, and yeah. they're sort of pushing each other away, and it's very um, it's very kind of the physicality of, fe- of it felt really easy and the language kind of felt easy and I feel like they really kind of got the characters and knew what they were doing and knew this play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, – I actually think this is one of those roles that Nathan Fillion was just born to play. <laughs> if his career goes down the toilet tomorrow and he's stuck playing, like, Vancouver Community Theatre, he has a long career playing Shakespearean full-staff characters because <laughs> he just does this great job with – Dogberry, the comic relief, and, and you can just imagine him doing the same kind of doing the fool or false stuff or something in like Henry the Fifth or one of those plays, and he would be fantastic at it. But that's the thing about Nathan Fillion is that he's so great in this and so funny and so yeah. you know buff. He's just a buffoon. It's all just buffoonery. Um, but then you watch him in Firefly, and he's like the opposite, and he's amazing. He's just like yeah. dramatic and 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 um hard and funny and and this terrific sort yeah. of character. So Dude got range. He's, yeah, he's a really great actor mm. and everybody loves Nathan Fillion. Um, but, yeah, I, it wasn't – I know he was great as well. Yeah. But, like, I just felt like the whole sort of ensemble just worked really right. well. Right. Uh, and, and I don't really have anything to say other than I agree with you. They were a good – they did a good job. They knew – it, it was very nice, the vibe of all being mm. friends and all knowing one another. And, and, of course, you do get that that idea because he is it's shot at someone's house. They do all know each other. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of fun in the crowd scenes to and watch who, which of Joss's other friends turn up. Like his brothers are there, his sister-in-law, David Fury, I think at yeah, some point. Yeah, David Fury. Yeah, he was one of the ones where I was in the when I was watching. I was just like, oh, it's David Fury, it's David yeah. Fury over there. So um, it's kind, it's kind of like, and his wife was in it. Yeah, well, she was also the producer. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like, yeah, Joss and Kay just invited a bunch of his friends over and hung out, and they just happened to film a few bits, and also some people recited some Shakespeare. <laughs> it was great fun. Um, yeah, the party scenes are also just. They're wonderful. They actually reminded me a little bit of the party scene in Gatsby on a much, much lower scale. But, like, really, like, there's these um, acrobats and this great pool and everybody is just getting drunk, not just at the parties. No, not just just at the party. Everybody drinks throughout the whole movie. (laughs) There's a scene where it's quite clearly breakfast time. And the morning the, after. The, the morning after. And the first thing Beatrice does is pour herself a big glass of red. Yeah. I, I, I know that's what I do the morning after a big party. So <laughs> Leonardo is falling asleep on the table and drinking wine. And, yeah. and they celebrate their plan to get Beatrice and Benedict together with shots. This <laughs> like, it, like shots at breakfast time. Yeah. Shots for breakfast. Why not? Hair of the dog and all that. Yeah. Um, and then another scene where they're going off to fight and they start drink- taking drinks from a hip flask. And mm. it's just like that they, they, you have a problem. The solution is more alcohol. Yeah. They drink as much as real Elizabethans or probably more even. Yeah. Who knows? You can't trust the water maybe. That's what Real it is. Hollywood kids. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. That's um, so true. The real Hollywood lifestyle is just drinking through <laughs> the entire thing. Um, yeah. But it, it's great. And it just like lends itself to that whole vibe. It's just this sort of party 
vibe, you know, and it's mm. it's very it has this really light touch that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel you know too heavy or anything like that. Even um, I mean, the dramatic scenes are great, but but I pref- I, I really liked the light touch that it had to it, yeah. and how cool everything was, and it's also really sexy, like in that kind mm-hmm. of old school kind of sexy thing um yeah. where it's all like that classy sort of slinky there sexy. is there's a little bit of there's a few sort of romantic scenes and whatnot but it's largely implied sexy there's not yeah. you know you see people starting to take their clothes off but there's no sort of actual nudity or anything yeah. like that. no full frontal nudity guys yeah yeah um, i think but, it was actually was it like a pg rating as well I, it, might, it seems like it might have been but yeah, yeah. It's, it's really it's, it's not so mild. much the the actual you know yeah um, but the the implications and the vibe of it. Mm. Um, there's a lot of that kind of thing between um, Beatrice and Benedict. They have all of their Amy and Alexis have all of their old chemistry from Angel. You know, it's like they 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 just sort of pick that right back up again. It's great. Um, Indeed, yeah, no, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, I think we're actually getting close to time, so we should really? probably yeah. Oh, you can keep talking. Oh. I don't mind, but we, we're actually we're hitting hitting close to time. We're running a bit long, but I I don't mind if you have more to say. I'm happy to happy to there's, keep it in. What do you want There's to talk a couple about? of other things. Um, one of them was that um, I kind of felt like I didn't uh, – even though I love the scenes with Nathan Fillion and Tom Link in them, yeah. um, I kind of felt like when the action was moved away from the main house into their, like, security office or whatever it was, uh-huh. it kind of removed me from the tension of it. Like, oh. And there's this scene – where it's a comedy scene in the middle of everything getting really tense. Um, and yeah. it is a great funny scene, but it, it kind of removed me from the action a bit and that made me go, huh, I'm watching a movie, which I didn't like so much. Oh, okay. Um, I really liked that. I, I actually like being taken out and that bit of relief. I, I tend to go, I tend to do well with those kind of things where they break the tension a bit. I think I, I it's sort of a classic technique but i know i've never liked it in anything i've seen it in i think i okay. just sort of every time i see it i'm like but i was really into that and now you're doing this and yeah I, i'm not so into that well, anymore. we needed a bit of relief because people like me in the audience were like oh no benedict's going to die it's <laughs> yeah, gonna the, be awful the melodramatic people uh, um but i don't know what you're talking about but there's a scene where he comes to – a couple of scenes where he comes to the grounds that are really funny, but there's one scene that he has between Nathan Fillion and Clark Gregg that I really liked um, where he's oh, trying it- so hard to just tell Leonardo what's going on because he knows that they're being set up, like that the, the, the um, wedding is being set, set up. up. Yeah. And he's trying so hard to get it out and he can't get it out because he's not exactly a master of words and he can't Bless. say what he wants to say and he's too – focused on being polite and all this sort of thing. And, and Leonardo says to him, neighbor, you are tedious. <laughs> there's this reaction shot from Nathan Fillion that's so funny. And then he went he's so, and quoted he's so that on hurt. late night. I know. Neighbor, you are tedious. And he's, he's looking at his face of like, oh, he's like a oh. kicked puppy. <laughs> yeah. He's like a little puppy. It's very sad. Yeah. And again, you're seeing like happy agent Colson being, it, 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 I will get over it. I'm sure I, if I'd ever seen him in anything else, it would be fine. But he's this lovely Person. But you totally get where he's coming yeah, from. Yeah, Because you're like, Dogberry's just there. He's, like, and he's on a, he's like, my daughter is getting married, like, in I'm 10 minutes. I have to walk her down the aisle. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, but it's so, it's so funny. And like, yeah, there was another, um, no. No, you've forgotten? No, I haven't forgotten. But there was another quote that I wanted to say. And you didn't write it down. I did write it down. I know what it is. It's just that I tried. I was trying to work it in like organically context? and it didn't work. And then you're not going to do that? Um, because when I was talking about the, the um, relationship between Beatrice and Benedict, and yeah. they call it the Merry War of a merry war of words. The merry war which is of words. That's one of great. my favorite quotes. And it's like you see it a lot 
when they're describing the movie because that's pretty much the description of that of that relationship, of that relationship up until now is just that they don't yeah. see each other much but they're constantly um talking about each other and they 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 are so both so good with words they have a they way with words constantly sparring back and yes. forth with words verbal sparring it's verbal great. sparring they do a great job of it yeah Mm-hmm. And now I'm done. Now you're done. Well, we are getting pretty close to time, so I'm going to move into the wrapping up phase. I, it almost seems like I don't need to ask you, but what rating did you give it, Katie? I gave Much Ado About Nothing four and a half stars out of five. There you go. I gave it three and a half out of five. I do like it, but I just – it's not great. I, I guess I I, re- I enjoyed myself, but I, I can't, like Katie, give it hugely high marks but i think that's seven out of ten that's a distinction if we're at university it's i i I think that's a a reasonable score and she's looking at me like you gave it the wrong score melissa i can't believe you i said nothing of the sort everybody is entitled to their opinion even if it's wrong (laughs) so that's four and a half out of five from katie and a three and a half out of five from me if you want to read the show notes on today's episode and there will be a few notes because there are some great um articles and interviews that we want to actually share with you guys um yeah we're going to put in especially there's a new york times um interview that i quoted when i was talking about um joss um doing another movie in between and his wife saying we have to relax do another movie so yeah. i'll put that one yeah up. we'll put a couple of um things for you to enjoy in the show notes because there is a, there's a lot of press going on about this one at the moment so anyway we'll put that in the show notes that's up on our website silverscreenqueens.com now if you want to read katie's review of the uh, what film was this again? <laughs> no, no. Uh, if you want to read Katie's review of Much Ado About Nothing, you can go to her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on Twitter at screen underscore queens, or you can like our Facebook page, or you can uh, get in touch with us through the website. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Bye. <laughs>